Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Tortoise. Hello, it's Basha here and you're listening to the Slow Newscast from Tortoise. Before we get started, I just want to let you know that this episode deals with sexual abuse. Now you might think that the Jeffrey Epstein story is over, that you already know more than you want to about the years of abuse he inflicted on children and on young women. But nearly four years after his death in prison was ruled a suicide, the story is still far from over. Because there's a new wave of lawsuits building up. And this time, the wave is crashing down on the banks and the bankers who helped Jeffrey Epstein fund and conceal his sex trafficking empire. And this week on The Slow Newscast, our reporter David Taylor has been through hundreds of pages of legal documents which reveal what was happening inside the banks that profited from their relationships with the convicted sex offender. And they tell a different Epstein story that's bigger than just one man's depravity about what happens when the business of making money is presented with a test of character and judgment and fails. This is episode one of Epstein's Money Men, The Man in the Hot Tub. Over to Dave. So when all hell breaks loose and the world is crumbling, I will come here and be at peace. Presently, I'm in the hot tub with a glass of white wine. This is an amazing place, truly amazing. It's November 2009 on a private island in the Caribbean. And the man in the hot tub with the glass of wine is one of the most powerful figures in the world of banking. Next time, we're here together. I owe you much, and I deeply appreciate our friendship. I have few so profound. He's probably on his Blackberry, sending this email to his friend. A friend who just got out of prison in Florida after serving a sentence for solicitation of prostitution with an underage girl. The convicted paedophile receiving the email is Jeffrey Epstein. He built a global criminal enterprise and at its center was this island in the Caribbean with the hot tub, Little St. James in the US Virgin Islands. It was Epstein's hidden world where hundreds of young women and girls were abused and where super rich men apparently came to be at peace. Because 
The man writing that email is Jess Staley, who rose through the ranks at America's biggest bank, JP Morgan, and would go on to be CEO of Barclays. It seemed for a moment in 2019 that the Epstein story might have ended with his death. Disgraced financier Jeffrey Epstein has taken his own life while he was behind bars here in New York City. Or with the disgrace of Prince Andrew. Prince Andrew and Virginia Dufresne, the woman who'd accused him of sexual assault, have reached an out-of-court settlement in a civil case. Or with the sentencing in 2022 of Ghislaine Maxwell, who helped Epstein procure and abuse so many young women. Ghislaine Maxwell will serve 20 years in prison for sex trafficking. Epstein is dead, Prince Andrew is banished, Ghislaine Maxwell is in prison. But the consequences of Epstein's prolific offending are still playing out in lawsuits brought by the authorities in the US Virgin Islands and by three women who describe terrible abuse at the hands of Epstein and his wealthy friends. And Jess Staley, the man in the hot tub, is at the centre of it all, with his intimate private emails to Epstein revealed for public scrutiny. I was pretty shocked at uh, the innuendo in them and the, the, the emailing of photos of young women in provocative poses, the Disney code names to call them by. You know, it, it just uh, kind of unsettling. Put simply, do you think that the money men and the institutions enabled Epstein? 100%. You can't really miss the point where you cross into the Upper East Side of Manhattan from the frenzy of Midtown. As you hit the corner of Central Park, you pass a gleaming golden statue of a man on a horse that looks like it might be about to gallop off the plinth. In front of the man on the horse is the magnificent figure of victory. It's a monument to American power and tells you that you're entering some fabulous new territory. Millions of people come every year for the glamour of the mansions and galleries, but really, the glittering life of this part of New York City is closed off to most. It's more like a private island where powerful men who make a lot of money have grown used to having whatever they want. The Upper East Side is a playground for plutocrats. At the centre of our story is number 9, East 71st Street. It's the nine-storey mansion that was once home to Jeffrey Epstein, where he entertained the rich and the powerful, from Bill Gates to Prince Andrew, and where scores of women were abused by him in a massage room on the third floor. Around the corner from Epstein's place, and a few blocks north on Park Avenue, lives Jess Staley, a giant of Wall Street. If J.P. Morgan CEO Jamie Dimon gets hit by a bus tomorrow, Jess Staley probably would take his place. For years, he looked after the bank's very richest clients, the ones with more than $10 million in assets. And Jeffrey Epstein was one of them. Jess Staley was the personal contact handling all of Jeffrey Epstein's accounts, and he took customer service very seriously, 
and visited him at home dozens of times. After Epstein was convicted of a sex crime in 2008, Jess Staley visited Epstein during his prison sentence and sailed on his own yacht to Epstein's private island, the one with the hot tub. Between 2008 and 2012, he exchanged more than 1,200 emails with Epstein from his JP Morgan account. By 2013, Jess Daly got tired of waiting for the top job at JP Morgan. At this point, he's 56, has two grown-up daughters, he's married to a woman from a wealthy Brazilian family, and is still holding on to his dark good looks. His father and grandfather before him were captains of industry, and he was ready to lead a big bank. So he left JP Morgan and, after a brief role elsewhere, was soon hired in the UK by Barclays as their CEO, with a big vision of turning it into an aggressive global investment bank. Jess Staley was at the top of the banking world. He was part of the elite of New York finance, and he was on the board of trustees at Bowdoin College, an historic liberal arts school with a gorgeous campus on the coast of Maine the place where he graduated in 1979. The college has a very sort of clear identity as, uh, as one of public service. Our motto is to do with serving the common good. We, we have a lot of people that go into public service and to activism. This is Henry Lawrence, a professor of government at Bowdoin. Um, so we, we like to think of ourselves as on the right side of history. Staley was put on a pedestal at the college. There's a video of him on stage. He was CEO of Barclays by this time, and he's being interviewed by the president of the college, a man called Clayton Rose. They work together at J.P. Morgan, and Staley helped recruit him to lead the college. Um, He represents all that is great about Bowdoin and the culture and the values here. Um, I was at it, and I... um, They were sitting on stage and it was just clearly very chummy. This was a friend delighted to to introduce his friend who he clearly thought really, really highly of. When we got to Wall Street back in 1979, one thing that Bowdoin clearly gave me was was the confidence to walk into 23 Wall Street and believe that that I could pursue a career with with J.P. Morgan. Jess Staley moved in this Upper East Side world of great parties full of successful people, bathed in the wholesome glow of philanthropic good deeds. But the good deeds only go so far. Well, banking giant J.P. Morgan Chase is under fire today, accused of benefiting from sex trafficking by billionaire Jeffrey Epstein. In November 2022, an anonymous woman known as Jane Doe One sued J.P. Morgan, accusing the bank of facilitating Jeffrey Epstein's empire and her abuse. Jane Doe One was living with her mother when she met Jeffrey Epstein in 2006. She was a ballet dancer in New York when she was recruited to meet him by another young woman. And Jane Doe fell quickly into his abusive world, She was chastised if she refused Epstein's sexual demands and told she should be grateful that he was willing to help her with her career and education. She came to believe what she was told. Jane Doe alleges she was a sex slave, trafficked, raped and abused. 
in a lawsuit, it's alleged. At least one of Epstein's friends used aggressive force in his sexual assault of her and informed Doe 1 that he had had Epstein's permission to do what he wanted to her. Out of fear, Jane Doe 1 has still not named this powerful financial executive publicly. But that changed. As part of the legal battle, J.P. Morgan forced her to disclose the man's name, the man she accused of sexual assault. In April, J.P. Morgan's legal filing revealed, Staley is this person. So this is J.P. Morgan fighting back. They sued Jess Staley himself, their own former executive, alleging that he had failed in his duty to the company. If the allegations of Doe are true, Staley repeatedly abandoned the interests of JPMC and served his own and Epstein's interests. Staley denies the allegation of abuse and maintains he had no knowledge of Epstein's offending. But it is alleged by Jane Doe 1 that Jess Staley had personally observed her as a sex trafficking and abuse victim, spent time with young girls whom he met through Epstein, and personally observed Epstein sexually grab young women in front of him. Jeffrey Epstein was already a strange, charismatic figure on the Upper East Side when he started doing his banking with J.P. Morgan in the late 1990s. He managed money for billionaires and billed himself as a collector of people. In the world of the plutocracy, they thought he was charming. They thought he was funny. This is Vicky Ward. She's an investigative reporter. She made a podcast recently called Finding Galen. And 20 years ago, she wrote a big feature for the glossy magazine Vanity Fair called The Talented Mr Epstein. She spent a lot of time negotiating with Epstein and got inside that mansion on East 71st. He had a lot of uh, cameras everywhere. There was a feeling that he was recording everything that went on in sir, And so... You know, it was this absolutely huge, very tall entrance, very tall front door and staff opened the door. And you then, you went into this very high ceilinged foyer with this, I thought, very intimidating, huge sculpture in the middle of it. And, you know, Jeffrey Epstein finally appeared and took me on a tour and everything in this house was about scale. He had a lot of money to invest at J.P. Morgan. There were about 55 Epstein-related accounts, collectively worth hundreds of millions of dollars. When Epstein died, his estate was valued at $660 million, which included $56 million in cash, $127 million in fixed income and equity investments, 195 million in hedge fund and private equity investments, and 18.5 million in planes, boats, and automobiles. The estate also included shares of various corporate entities which hold residences and property used by Epstein the Upper East Side Mansion, valued at 56 million, a ranch in New Mexico, valued at 72 million, a gated home in Palm Beach, Florida, valued at 12 million. Seven units in an apartment building in Paris, valued at 8 million. 
the islands of Great St. James and Little St. James in the US Virgin Islands, collectively valued at 86 million. And he had a book of contacts he seemed happy to send the bank's way for lucrative deals. Jess Staley owed his rise at the bank to Epstein's connections. From 2001 to 2009, this is really where uh, Jess made his reputation at J.P. Morgan. He ran J.P. Morgan Asset Management, and he led the purchase of Highbridge Capital Management in 2004, which was complete. It was a deal for a hedge fund company that catapulted Staley's career. J.P. Morgan still owns Highbridge today, which has assets under management of $3.9 billion. Court documents show us that Epstein was actually paid a $20 million introduction fee for the Highbridge deal. So the relationship with Epstein was immensely valuable for the bank, for Staley and for Epstein. But it was obvious to people at J.P. Morgan they had a problem. When the first allegations connecting Epstein to underage sex started to emerge from Florida in 2006, J.P. Morgan could hardly feign ignorance. In an interview under oath as part of the current lawsuit, Mary Erdwiss, a very senior executive at J.P. Morgan, admits that by 2006 they knew Epstein was accused of paying cash to have underage girls and young women brought to his home. Two years later... In June 2008, Epstein was convicted. There'd been 36 girls, some as young as 14, making allegations. But he struck a plea deal and only two counts were dealt with. Jeffrey Epstein went to jail just before 10 this morning. Epstein was given an 18-month prison sentence and he became a registered sex offender. And his behaviour was so widely understood at J.P. Morgan that senior executives emailed jokes about his interest in young girls. A few months after Epstein was jailed, the teenage pop star Miley Cyrus had a 16th birthday party concert at Disneyland. And Mary Erdwiss got an email from a colleague asking her whether Epstein was with Miley Cyrus. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. One of the biggest red flags for banks looking out for suspicious accounts and evidence of money laundering is the heavy and repeated withdrawal of cash. And the signs were there in the Epstein accounts years before he was convicted of paying underage girls for sex. Cash was just flowing out of these accounts and no one seemed to be asking too many questions. We can see that $800,000 was taken in over-the-counter cash withdrawals during 2004 and 2005. One legal document says, The cash activity continued in the years after Epstein's plea, though J.P. Morgan accepted, without proof, that the cash was for fuel and landing fees associated with Epstein's planes. Some J.P. Morgan staff in charge of monitoring suspicious accounts thought they would have to ditch Epstein as a customer. This is an email in August 2008, only weeks after Epstein is jailed. I would count Epstein's assets as a probable outflow for 08, $120 million or so, as I can't imagine it will stay, pending diamond review. This is a really important email because it could reveal that concerns about keeping Epstein as a customer had already been escalated to the very top of the bank. That last phrase, pending Diamond Review, will be argued over by lawyers. It's a reference to Jamie Diamond, the top boss at JP Morgan since 2005. He's still at the top today, chairman and chief executive, and everyone wants to know how much he knew about Epstein and when. He was asked about it in April this year by CNN. In retrospect, Jamie, do you think J.P. Morgan should have acted more quickly after Epstein pleaded guilty to one of these charges in 2008 because he was your client for five more years? Hindsight is a fabulous gift. But was that email in 2008 a smoking gun? Does it show that Diamond was already doing a review of the Epstein accounts, given what they knew about his sexual offences? Or does it just mean that if a decision is taken to shut the Epstein accounts, Diamond would have to review it. We don't know yet which version is correct. Here's what we do know about 2008. No one at JP Morgan shuts down any Epstein accounts. Jess Staley stayed in very close contact with Epstein. He visited him in Florida while he was on day release from jail. The documents allege that weeks after Epstein was jailed, he even advised Staley on his salary negotiations at JP Morgan. Staley and Epstein had a symbiotic relationship, the documents say. Epstein catapulted Staley's career with ultra-high wealth clients. In exchange, Staley would use his clout within JP Morgan to make Epstein untouchable. Staley was the key to making all of Epstein's depraved dreams of sexual abuse and sex trafficking of countless young women possible. Epstein was doling out thousands of dollars in cash every single day as hush money to victims he was sexually abusing and to victims he was using to recruit additional victims. 
If Epstein paid every victim with wire transfers and left a documented money trail, his illegal sexual abuse and sex trafficking operation would have been easily uncovered. However, with access to unlimited amounts of cash, Epstein was able to commit the most egregious sexual crimes many times a day without leaving a paper trail. So in 2008, Epstein's accounts were under review. In 2010, we can see compliance staff at JP Morgan saying the accounts of Epstein should go. And again, in January 2011, the compliance people are listing a host of red flags. A few news stories during 2010 connect Jeffrey Epstein to human trafficking. The coverage team all met to discuss the situation and agreed to enhance monitoring and documented discussion with the client. Evidence is piling up, suggesting a pattern of potentially illegal conduct. JP Morgan giving a $1 million loan to Epstein, which he gives to a French contact to help him set up a modelling agency. Money is pouring out of accounts to alleged victims, girls and young women, to the Palm Beach Police Department, to known co-conspirators. More than $23 million paid to Ghislaine Maxwell. Memos show the bank knows of a US federal investigation into whether that French modelling agency, quotes, fed his appetite for underage foreign girls. Numerous J.P. Morgan senior executives, including Mary Erdos and Jess Staley, meet multiple times in 2008, 2011 and 2013. But Mary Erdwes allegedly intervenes to keep Epstein as a client because he's so important in the recruitment of new private banking clients. It is Jess Staley who manages the relationship and he acts as a protector for Epstein. Jess Daly discussed the topic with Jeffrey Epstein, who replied there was no truth to the allegations, no evidence, and was not expecting any problems. We will continue to monitor the accounts and cash usage closely going forward. Staley's association with Epstein did him no harm at JP Morgan. In September 2009, weeks after Epstein finished his prison sentence, Jess Staley was promoted to become head of the investment bank. Which brings us back to the hot tub. A few weeks after his big promotion in 2009, Staley is in the tub on Epstein's private island, raising a glass to his absent host. Next time, we're here together. I owe you much, and I deeply appreciate our friendship. I have few so profound. A matter of days later, the two friends have a reunion. On a sunny December Friday, Epstein, who had been barred from leaving Florida during his prison sentence, was back on the Upper East Side, and Staley was there for him. I realized the danger in sending this email, but it was great to be able today to give you in New York City a long, heartfelt hug. The next day, Epstein writes to Staley. You were with Larry, and I had to put up with... He attaches a picture of a young woman which has been blacked out in the legal documents. Two weeks later, Epstein sends another email to Staley's work account that was blank, except for a picture of a young woman. In light of the abuse allegations now raised against Jess Staley, there are other lines from that cache of 1,200 emails with Epstein that are getting particular scrutiny. 
Between the 27th and 29th of August 2009, Staley emails Epstein, saying he would be in London in a week's time. Epstein asks whether Staley would need anything while in London, and Staley replies, Yep. Within days, Epstein wires $3,000 from his JP Morgan account to an Eastern European woman. A few months earlier, in January 2009, Epstein paid $2,000 to the same woman when Staley was visiting his home in Florida. There's another cryptic exchange in July 2010. Staley sends an email to Epstein saying something apparently loaded with meaning. That was fun. Say hi to Snow White. Epstein replies, What character would you like next? Staley says, Beauty and the Beast? And Epstein replies, Well, one side is available. After Jess Staley leaves J.P. Morgan, he goes to Barclays as CEO just two years later in 2015. Barclays is not involved in the Epstein lawsuits and had no relationship with Epstein but they're still coming under scrutiny now for the way they hired and kept Jess Staley. Edward Bramson, an activist investor whose company was once the biggest shareholder in Barclays, waged a years-long campaign to have Jess Staley removed. First of all, it was just business. Bramson was concerned about Staley's strategy and wanted him out to protect his investment. But as the Epstein allegations piled up, the cause became a more moral one. UK regulators were investigating whether Staley had been transparent about his relationship with Epstein. The investigation is actually focused on uh, transparency, whether I was transparent with and open with the bank and with the board with respect to my relationship uh, with Jeffrey Epstein. Um, uh, and indeed, it's clear in my own mind that going all the way back to 2015 when I joined Barclays, I have been very transparent with the bank uh, and very open and willing to discuss uh, the relationship uh, that I had with him. Bramson pushed again but failed to remove Staley, so he sold his investment in Barclays and moved on. But in April this year, Right before the annual general meeting of Barclays took place in London, Bramson tried again to hold the board and chairman of Barclays to account. In a public letter, headed character and judgment are inextricably linked, he took aim. We urged the board, as the situation deteriorated, to dismiss Staley, to protect the bank from further reputational and other damage. The board's unconscionable refusal to do so only ended when the UK regulators forcibly ended this wretched spectacle over the board's objections. Bramson criticises Barclays chairman Nigel Higgins and his handling of the relationship between Staley and Epstein. Well-established practice for banks is, if in doubt, close the account. So in a telephone conversation with Higgins, I asked if Staley had explained his failure to close Epstein's accounts when he had the opportunity. Astonishingly, after praising Staley in rather florid terms, Higgins told me that he had never asked him that question. The board was concerned enough about a backlash to tell shareholders in advance that Staley's bonuses had been suspended because of the allegations in the lawsuits that it called serious and new. On the day, though, the concerns about Epstein 
were overshadowed by disruptive climate protesters. News was breaking overnight. Jess Staley has already faced a reckoning over his Epstein connections. Uh, there, Barclays CEO Jess Staley is stepping down, this following an investigation into his relationship with convicted sex offender Jeffrey Epstein. Jeff- he resigned as CEO of Barclays in November 2021 when the UK regulator, whose report is still secret, informed him of the criticisms they would make about his lack of transparency over Epstein. He also resigned from the board at Bowdoin College, where students and some staff were furious. The foot-dragging at the college is a microcosm of what happened in the banks. This is Bowdoin's Professor Henry Lawrence. I find it very hard to believe that no one suspected anything, given the ties so many of them had to that world. And therefore, I, I have to feel that this is one of those cases where people were sort of, if not looking the other way, certainly not looking very hard to sort of find problems. I think rich men, especially rich white men, have a sense of entitlement and a sense of invulnerability that I think causes them to not feel like they need to listen to people that they regard as less successful, lower on the pecking order than they are. Can you remember what you thought when you heard that news? Uh, I thought about bloody time. So Jess Staley is now fighting for his name and his fortune. The lawsuits brought against JP Morgan by the former ballet student Jane Doe One and by the US Virgin Islands were due to go to trial in October. And at the same time, the connected case would be heard. JP Morgan countersuing Jess Staley. A jury would hear the cases with people including JP Morgan CEO Jamie Dimon likely to be called to give evidence. But everyone watching the cases thought there could be a settlement before then to spare the risk of humiliation for him and further reputational damage for the bank. Does Jamie Dimon really want an ugly courtroom fight with Jess Staley, who seems determined to drag his former boss down with him? One New York financier told me, the culture there at JP Morgan is you basically win at all costs and you crush whoever's in your way. So Staley grew up learning that from the best. Staley has said in his legal submissions that Diamond knew about Epstein and communicated with him about the criminal case in 2006 when Epstein was first accused and in 2008 when he was convicted. That's not how Jamie Diamond remembers it. He's been interviewed under oath by Jane Doe's lawyers. JP Morgan issued a statement after Diamond's interview saying... There are millions and millions of emails and other documents that have been produced in this case, and not one comes close to even suggesting that he had any role in decisions about Epstein's accounts. We now know that Epstein's behavior was monstrous, and his victims deserve justice. In hindsight, any association with him was a mistake and we regret it, but these suits are misdirected as we did not help him commit his heinous crimes. Staley gave evidence under oath this month, but it's not yet known whether he added to his claims that Diamond was personally involved in discussions about Epstein. But whatever he said clearly alarmed the bank, because one day later, on Monday the 12th of June, New York City woke up to a 
big development. It was announced that Jane Doe's lawyers had reached a deal with the bank to settle the case. The bank said it decided to settle in the best interests of the survivors and claimed JP Morgan would never have continued to do business with him if they believed Jeffrey Epstein was using the bank to help commit crimes. Lawyers close to the case say JP Morgan is prepared to pay $290 million to end the legal action. More than 100 women could benefit from the case brought by the former ballet dancer. At the moment, the US Virgin Island case against the bank is still unresolved and nothing is certain about the Staley case. Does his old bank JP Morgan drop the lawsuit or carry on suing him to meet part of the cost of the settlement? We invited JP Morgan, Jess Staley and Barclays to comment for this episode, but they didn't respond. Whatever the outcome of the legal cases, it's clear JP Morgan knew about Epstein's criminality but kept his accounts going for years. We also know that not long after Jess Staley left JP Morgan, Epstein's accounts were finally closed. What happens next is really hard to believe. Another bank steps in, eyes wide open, to recruit Jeffrey Epstein. In episode two of Epstein's Money Men, That's a big red flag right there. I mean, that's basically tipping your hand that you're laundering funds by asking that question. You know, one of Mm -hmm. whom did try to swim off, which would not be an easy thing. The currents are crazy. And senior leadership ultimately decided to sweep it under the rug. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Slow Newscast from Tortoise. It was written and reported by me, David Taylor. The producer was Imi Harper and the editor was Basha Cummings. Sound design was by Hannah Varrell. For early access to the next three episodes of this series, subscribe to Tortoise Plus on Apple Podcasts or join Tortoise as a member by downloading the Tortoise audio app today. Tortoise. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Traffic jams, tailgating, pile-ups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. Hello, I'm John Curtis. And I'm Rachel Wolfe. This week on Trendy, the monarchy. A year after the coronation and as King Charles returns to work, what do we think of it? And how has that changed over time? To listen to the episode, search for... Trendy on Tortoise News, wherever you get your podcasts and follow the feed to make sure you don't miss 
an episode.